0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 2, 11 through 14, called Living the Gospel.
1: All right, well, if you would open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2, we are looking at a message called Living the Gospel, Galatians chapter 2. We're going to just study verses 11 through 14 this morning in Galatians 2. If you're new to us, welcome to Living Truth. I'm Pastor Michael, one of the pastors here. And what we do is we, the typical mode of teaching is to go through a book of the Bible. and we happen to be going through Galatians verse by verse, and the big theme of Galatians is defending and living the gospel. We spent a good amount of time looking at the defense of the gospel, the doctrinal defense of the teaching of Jesus and his death and resurrection for us and his current ministry to the church, the gospel of grace. This morning we're going to segue a little bit and we're going to talk about living out the gospel, living the message of the gospel, which can be, I think, more challenging than knowing the right doctrine is living out the gospel. That's what we're looking at. We're going to read the verses together. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you're physically able to stand, one more time. We're going to read verses 11 through 14 of Galatians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writes these words. But when Cephas, that's the Aramaic name of Peter, came to Antioch, Galatians 2.11, I opposed him to his face. Paul says, He opposed Peter, because he, Peter, stood condemned for prior, Galatians 2.12, to the coming of certain men from James. He used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in the presence of all, if you being a Jew live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? May the Lord write his word upon our hearts. You may be seated. Father, as we tackle a little chunk of scripture here, but one of the words that jumps out at us is hypocrisy, and it is such a challenge not to be hypocritical, not to vacillate, not to wear a mask, not to be a phony. We know you want genuine, authentic faith. You want truth in the inward parts. You don't want us to wear a mask. And yet even the great apostle Peter, who preached on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people came to the Lord. The man who was a lion of the faith by the power of the Holy Spirit in the face of uh, threats from the religious leadership of the day found himself caving to social pressure peer pressure uh, social pressure are, these are all real challenges that we all face familial pressure um, Lord we can tend sometimes to put on a mask and be a hypocrite forgive us for that would you heal us of our hypocrisy I know that there are many people who stay away from the church because they think it's filled with a bunch of hypocrites, and often they're right. But would you help us, Lord, to be authentic, to be real in every aspect of our lives? This is going to be a challenging message, as each one is as we open our Bibles, but may the scriptures read us. May we find hope that we're not alone in our struggles, but may we also... uh, Say, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and through me. May we surrender everything in our lives so that we're authentic, we're genuine with our struggles and with our triumphs. We lay this time at your feet. May you accomplish your purposes in us for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hypocrisy is a challenge for all of us. There's a Greek word for hypocrite that's typical of the New Testament. It's called hypokritas, and it was a word used of a play actor or an actor in a Greek drama. Literally, someone would put on a mask. Sometimes they would play multiple parts, so they would change their mask depending on the part of the performance or the part that they would play. So if you want a basic definition of hypocrisy, it's to be a play actor. It's to play a part. I looked up in the Hebrew picture language the word for hypocrite and it's a a Hebrew word called kanaf. If you want it, it's C-H-A-N-A-F, kanaf. And this writer, this is Dr. Seekins and he brings out some of the pictures that that are in the ancient Hebrew language. He says the word kanaf for hypocrite in Hebrew means profane. This word means godless and hypocrite. A hypocrite pretends to have values contrary to their hidden actions, I'm quoting, or they will pretend that their destructive actions are actions of truth and goodness. One of the main ideas of the Hebrew word is to be godless. And, and the reason is, is because when we are hypocritical, it's not God moving through us. It's us doing something from the flesh. Amen? So it's us putting on a show rather than the Holy Spirit doing the work in us. It's us trying to look religious, trying to look the part. And then the reverse is true also. Sometimes our friends who see us out there in the world, co-workers, neighbors, family, sometimes accuse us of being hypocritical in that there are times that we don't act like a Christian when we're in other contexts. So we kind of adjust our performance, so to speak, depending on the company. And I want you to know that from the get-go, as we look at a tough message about living the gospel, that even Peter, the great apostle Peter, was susceptible to hypocrisy. And if he is, then we can be as well. And so I want you to know that you're not alone. This place is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. Just look around. (laughs) We're all at different levels, right? We're all trying to get better. Uh, We're not making excuses for our hypocrisy, but we all can be, tend to be inconsistent at times. We all can fail to be what we want to be. I'm not making an excuse for me or anybody else, but the fact is that we all struggle to live the gospel. In Galatians 2.11, Paul writes, but when Cephas, that's Peter's Aramaic name, came to Antioch. You'll notice, Bible students, uh, Paul gives us the word, but when... And Paul's been moving down a chronology of events that we've been looking at in Galatians chapter 2. If you look at verse 1, he says, then after an interval of 14 years, um, he he made this visit and then he came again to Jerusalem. Uh, That's the 14 years later. There was was a previous visit that we studied in a previous message. And the truth of the gospel in verse 5 was not yielded for a moment. Uh, Titus was was Gentile. He was not asked to be circumcised. So it was clear that the gospel was a gospel of grace. In verse 9, it says, And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, Paul's writing about the grace that God gave to him. James, that's the brother of the Lord, not the brother of John. Uh, I may have said that last week, but James is the brother of the Lord. Then you have Peter and John. So these are all big guns in the early church who were reputed to be pillars there in the church at Jerusalem, gave to me, Paul and Barnabas, the right hand of fellowship. I mentioned to you that that was kind of like a signifying that they were all in agreement over the doctrinal truth of the gospel. Simply put, that the gospel is the good news of Jesus, that he lived the perfect life that we could never live, died on the cross as a sacrificial atonement, died in our place, rose from the dead, And the good news is that Jesus Christ saves. It's Jesus plus nothing. And the doctrinal agreement was there. The gospel was confirmed. Everybody agreed that you're saved by grace. You don't have to add the Torah to it. You don't have to add the food laws. You don't have to add circumcision. You don't have to add the works of the law, etc. This is a bedrock verse. If you look at verse 16 of chapter 2, Paul writes nevertheless knowing that a man is not justified Galatians 2:16 he's not declared righteous by the works of the law but through faith in Christ Jesus even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified declared righteous before God by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law since by the works of the law what your bible say no flesh will be justified or declared righteous that is emphatic we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves it's the gift of God it's not by works so that no person can boast but we still have a job to do and our job is to convey the gospel in teaching and in our lifestyle Now, it's one thing to be able to teach the gospel, amen? It's one thing to be able to say, hey, there's good news of great joy. And some of us struggle with that. Some of us struggle with regularly sharing the good news. But it's another thing to live the good news. It's another thing to say, Lord, I want my life to be a bridge. I want people to even ask me why I have this hope so I can convey that hope with my life. I don't want my life to be a living contradiction, I don't want my life to bring up question marks about whether Christianity or the gospel is true. I want my life to be a bridge to share the good news of the gospel. And we're all works in progress, we all know. We're all going through a process of what we call sanctification. We all want Jesus' reality and the hope of Jesus to shine through us. And I want to give you a verse that I think will help all of us. And it's verse 20, and this will be gone through next time, but... Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, 2.20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I have been crucified with Christ. If you're wondering, well, how do you overcome hypocrisy? How do you overcome being a phony? You surrender everything to Christ, And you have to make a declaration based upon Galatians 2.20 that it's no longer I who live. Amen? Did I hear you say amen? Anybody say amen to that? All right. Now that's hard. To get I out of the way is one of the biggest battles that you and I are going to face. Right?
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
1: Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Hey,
0: Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So, once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth.
1: And our job is to convey the gospel in teaching and in our lifestyle. Now, it's one thing to be able to teach the gospel, amen? It's one thing to be able to say, hey, there's good news of great joy. And some of us struggle with that. Some of us struggle with regularly sharing the good news. But it's another thing to live the good news. It's another thing to say, Lord, I want my life to be a bridge. I want people to even ask me why I have this hope so I can convey that hope with my life. I don't want my life to be a living contradiction, I don't want my life to bring up question marks about whether Christianity or the gospel is true. I want my life to be a bridge to share the good news of the gospel. And we're all works in progress, we all know. We're all going through a process of what we call sanctification. We all want Jesus' reality and the hope of Jesus to shine through us. And I want to give you a verse that I think will help all of us. And it's verse 20, and this will be gone through next time, but... Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, 2.20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I have been crucified with Christ. If you're wondering, well, how do you overcome hypocrisy? How do you overcome being a phony? You surrender everything to Christ. Christ. And you have to make a declaration based upon Galatians 2.20 that it's no longer I who live. Amen? Oh, did I hear you say amen? Anybody say amen to that? All right. Now that's hard. To get I out of the way is one of the biggest battles that you and I are going to face. Right? We know that there's no I in team, T-E-A-M, but somebody said there's I in win, W-I-N, <laughs> right? So we battle this thing of self and the flesh and, and you know, wanting to impress people and adjust how we act and behave and what we stand for depending on the group that we find ourselves in. And we all face the pressure of conformity and peer pressure And it touches each and every one of us. What we need to know is that this issue was not doctrinal. It wasn't the teaching aspect of the gospel. It was behavioral. It was Peter's behavior in mixed company. Now, Paul has been defending the gospel of grace. That's chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. He's been saying, look, if anybody preaches another message, let him be accursed. Let him be under the curse of God. But this particular incident was not doctrinal. It was behavioral. Some have called this the Antioch incident. Dun, 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 dun. The incident at Antioch. Peter. Now, Peter has fallen before, <laughs> right? Now, we know Peter was sometimes confident, right? The night before Jesus died on the cross, he said, You know, I'm going to stand for you, Lord. And we know he caved to pressure on that night. And we know he was hypocritical. And we all can struggle with this, with hypocrisy. We know that people, sometimes we talk to about the Christian faith, say there's too many hypocrites in the church. That's why I don't go there, right? Heard a story of a certain hog farmer. He refused to have anything to do with the church because all he ever saw was a bunch of hypocrites who belonged to the church. He always named two or three. One day, the pastor of the church came along to buy a hog from him. After looking over the farmer's entire swine herd, the pastor pointed to a scrawny, sickly, ugly little runt and said, I want that one. The farmer protested. He said, why, preacher, do you want that one? He's the scrawniest runt I ever saw. Look, here are some fine hogs over here. That's all right, said the preacher. I want that one. Well, after the purchase was completed, the pastor said, Now, I'm going to haul this pig all over the country and tell everyone that this is the kind of hog that you raise. (laughs) Hey, preacher, said the farmer, that's not fair. I raise fine hogs. An occasional runt doesn't ruin my whole stock. Well, I'm only following your example, said the pastor, of condemning the whole church just because there are a few hypocrites in it. See, that's often what people do is they point to a few hypocrites, but they overlook a lot of consistent Christians that are all around them. It's easier to hang your hat on a negative. And I heard Ray Comfort one time say, are you going to let a hypocrite keep you out of heaven? See, because that's actually what you're doing. You're hanging your hat on hypocrites and you're saying, that's why I don't want to have anything to do with the Lord. That's why I don't go to church. So is that why you're going to stay out of heaven on that day? Are you going to penalize yourself because of the hypocrites? Or is that an excuse so that you don't have to be accountable to God? It's a tough one, but it's reality. The famous Robert Redford was walking one day through a hotel lobby A woman saw him and followed him to the elevator. She said, Are you the real Robert Redford? He said, Only when I'm alone. And you know, the truth is that the real us is probably most manifested only when we're alone. And that's why we talk about integrity being what you are when you're alone, what you are when no one's watching. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. These are the battles of the Christian life. And so we have this incident when Cephas came to Antioch, that's Syrian Antioch. We, I showed you a map when we opened the teaching in Galatians. And Syrian Antioch is to be differentiated from Pisidian Antioch. And Syrian Antioch was kind of north of Israel. And Jews traveled between uh, Jerusalem and Antioch in Syria And uh, Syrian Antioch was the place where the Christians were first called Christians. It was the home base for the Apostle Paul. It's where Saul and Barnabas went out on their first missionary journey. It had a huge population. In fact, I was reading this week and the population of Syrian Antioch in the Roman Empire, third largest uh, city, 250,000 people, and they had 25,000 Jews in Syrian Antioch. So if you just were to look at a map today and go, just go north, you'd see that area of Syria, and that's what we're talking about. A lot of the activity of the early church happened there, and Peter paid a visit there. His visit likely, from a timing standpoint, for those of you who are interested, happened before the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. When the gospel was again confirmed by the leadership of the early church, Acts fifteen. So before that, but after Paul and Barnabas returned from their missionary journey, and that's Acts fourteen twenty five through twenty eight. Let me just read it for you. It says, "When they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commanded, or excuse excuse me, commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished." And when they had arrived the, and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time, Acts 14, 28, with the disciples. Now that long time, after that first journey out, back, they sailed back to Antioch, and it was there before the Jerusalem Council that Peter made a trip to Syrian Antioch. We don't know why he came, He could have come just to visit the Christians there and celebrate what God was doing. He may have come because there was a famine down in the area of Judea. He may have come because there was persecution in Jerusalem and to escape the persecution. If the chronology is right, amen, Peter has just uh, experienced a deliverance from prison and a miraculous deliverance from prison. And there was a lot of persecution and Peter being kind of the, one of the main spokesmen of the uh, gospel in the early days had to be a target of uh, attack and persecution. So maybe there's a number of reasons why he went there, but Peter ends up in Antioch, the strategic place of the early church. And he's hanging out with Jewish and Gentile believers. And if you take a look again at Galatians 2 verse 11, when Cephas came to Antioch, Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Now, Paul got in Peter's face at Antioch because Peter stood condemned. Now, this is the squaring off of two big apostles in the early church. In this corner, the great apostle Paul. In this corner, Peter. Ding, ding, ding. And Paul got up in Peter's face. Now, the word in the original language doesn't mean necessarily hostility, but it means confrontation. It means a direct confrontation, calling somebody out for doing wrong. And Paul says that Peter stood condemned. The word condemned is kata ginosko. There's different ways to define the word. The word can mean to find fault. Peter was at fault, he was to blame. He was to be accused and there are other scholars that say the word is strong enough to be condemned before God or guilty before God. Now I don't know how far to push the language here but what we do know was that Peter was playing the hypocrite. Peter was not being true to who he was. He was not being authentic and Paul saw it and Paul confronted Peter.
0: You've been listening to Living the Gospel, Part 1 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 2, verses 11 through 14. And remember, you can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you like on podcast. You can listen on our Living Truth app or your favorite podcast app, like iHeartRadio, iPodcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. Hey, you can also listen to previous programs too. So listen to the Walk in Truth podcast while you're working from home or during your drive. Also, if you listen on iTunes, would you please give us a rating? The more good ratings, the more people will see our program as it goes to the top of the list. So thanks for doing that. And remember, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And one more thing. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Your $5 donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do our free apologetic events. And this is all for the sole goal to equip you as a believer or to help you learn more about Jesus if you're not a Christian, please give your donation at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 2, 11-14, called Living the Gospel. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.